This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Good morning, everybody. I am Glenn Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I am Sarah Evers-Conrad from Lexington, Kentucky. And you are listening to the monthly Horse Illustrated episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for September 28th. This is a special episode of Horses in the Morning every fourth Tuesday of the month brought to you by Horse Illustrated Magazine. Good morning, Horse World. The fourth Tuesday of every month is all about your passion for horses. Nurture your knowledge with informative and entertaining interviews brought to you by Horse Illustrated Magazine. Well, thank you for joining us, everybody. Hey, Sarah. Hey, I got to tell you something. Uh, When we were on the road show, traveling around, visiting with listeners, I had a lot of listeners who are really enjoying your episode, especially all the cool guests you get. Oh, well, that that's great. We always strive to have interesting people on every time. Well, tell us who's on today. On today's show, we will be talking to breakaway roping superstar Jackie Hobbs Crawford about her illustrious competitive career and being a mom, Dwayne Hildreth about his work on the board of Brook USA, and to international trainer Daniel Stewart about equestrian sports psychology and how to be bolder, braver, and brighter. Yeah, uh, I can't wait to talk to Daniel again. He's been coming on our shows. We haven't had him on in a while, but he's, I mean, probably 10 years ago we had him on the first time. Uh, And his brand new book out, so I can't wait to hear about that. But also, uh, like a week or two ago, I was at the uh, American Horse Publications, and you weren't there because you couldn't make it this year. But we missed you. Everybody asked about you, and and, uh, everybody knew that you were doing a podcast with us. Uh, But Horse Illustrated did pretty well in the awards there. Yeah, yeah, we did really well. We we got um, a photography award for Shelly Paulson. She did a, a second place. I I love the photo because it's like a overlooking. Uh, it was a drone photograph, so really interesting. That was published in Horse Illustrated. Then we got several pub, like magazine awards for different articles for freelancers Daniel Johnson and Amy Hemp, and even though. Like those two were third places, but like out of 34 entries and 16 entries. So, you know, even the podcasting category had 20 entries this year. I mean, we've never had 20. It's definitely grown. I remember, (laughs) yeah, when it was like it was one, it was me. (laughs) (laughs) And then we also, um, several of our freelancers entered awards, uh, Allison Renborg. Kara Stewart, Shelley Paulson, and Jennifer Bryan, and all of them got awards for their various entries for Horse Illustrated. Actually, Jennifer Bryan's was for Young Rider, so Young, R- Young Rider picked up an award. But the most exciting one, and we're super excited, out of 10 entries in the General Excellence Self-Supported Publication category for 15,000 and over subscribers, we got runner-up. So oh, wow. second place, and I believe Keelan Magazine was first, and that is always a beautiful publication. That's a beautiful magazine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, so <laughs> you know, it's uh, 
And so we are thrilled. We won that. Well, they have uh, Keeneland money to put it out, too. That helps. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And we won that category a few years ago. So, you know, still still keep it on. And the judges gave such great comments. So it's really great to see the feedback from them. I was so proud because every time Horse Illustrated popped up, I was like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, you could cheer for us. I was cheering for you. I lo- I listened to the podcast episode that you did with all the different people. And of course, my favorite story that you shared was about this tie, your bolero, oh. bolero tie, and <laughs> yes. a little birdie yes. who writes um, romance novels. A little birdie told me to ask you if you're getting ads popping up for oh, uh, Scorpion Bolero oh, ties. You know, the people who think your phones aren't listening are wrong, because we talked about those Bolero ties, and I never searched for it or anything, and within two hours, ads started popping up. And they joked about getting me a Scorpion one, that it was a Scorpion, right. and I got ads for that two hours later for that exact tie. I think I'm Team Jamie. I think the Longhorn was a good yeah, shot. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Sorry, Carly. I know you're rooting for the Scorpion. I but... wouldn't have worn the Scorpion one. They creeped me out. But so, <laughs> yeah, but I wouldn't be wanting to wear I looked pretty good, I thought, actually, for my English self and my Western tie. I thought it looked pretty good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, I saw the pictures. Yeah, we had fun. We had a good time there. Uh, got to hang out with other podcasters now, which is unusual, even ones that aren't Horse Radio Network. So that was fun. Uh, and, you know, we, we had, we ne- now I will say that we were the noisy, rowdy group in the back. Um, <laughs> Why am I not surprised? <laughs> so now I would like to say that we were the fun group in the back because well hey i've been at tables with you and it is a fun table so <laughs> and a little but loud I, at times i next year it'll be in lexington so you know it's coming to my city so i'm excited for <laughs> next may it's earlier next year well we were uh we were we were definitely the fun loud obnoxious group which you would expect from podcasters so um <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's that who's who are we brought to by today Today's episode is brought to you by title sponsor, Straight Arrow Products. Mane and Tail's newest premium product line, Ultimate Gloss, will leave your horse's mane, tail, and coat with an award-winning shine. If you are looking for a formula that gets down to the skin, releasing dirt, dander, and buildup from your horse's coat, then Ultimate Gloss is your go-to bathing solution. Made with natural ingredients, Ultimate Gloss provides a gentle way to leave your horse with a high-gloss, long-lasting shine. Discover the secret behind the Boss of Gloss by visiting our website at ultimategloss.com. Coming up first is our interview with Jackie Hobbs Crawford, a 20-time Women's Professional Rodeo Association world champion who has also earned three National Intercollegiate Rodeo Association National Breakaway Roping titles. Now she trains horses while excelling in rodeo events and roping and conducts clinics at the training facility in Stephenville, Texas, that she shares with her husband, Charlie Crawford, who is a 10-time National Finals Rodeo Qualifier in Heading, and their three children. Well, hi, Jackie. Welcome to the Horse Illustrated episode of Horses in the Morning. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So we had done a great story about you in our Western Life magazine, and one of our freelancers wrote it. And I wanted to add in a quote from it and then talk about what it was talking about. Um, In the article, it said, when Jackie Crawford won the inaugural Wrangler National Finals of Breakaway Roping World Title in 2020 while six months pregnant, 
Women rejoiced. Being a female roper is challenging enough, and to compete while pregnant was next level. Motherhood aside, Crawford's roping career has been defined by optimism, hard work, and perseverance. It's how she's earned 20 world titles in breakaway, team roping, and all around, and at the time of publication, ranked first in breakaway in the Women's Professional Rodeo Association with more than $520,000 in career earnings. Now, first, I'm sure anyone who has a baby can agree that winning a national title at six months pregnant is next level, but especially something so physically demanding as team roping. What made you want to keep going in 2020 for that title? Um, you know, I just think that that was such, like, we're in such monumental years for the breakaway roping. And so, you know, I it was it was hard to not like try to keep going when you put as much work into it as, as we have. And then to see it open up that year, um, you know, and it was kind of one of those things. It's like these opportunities are here. The doors are opening, be a part of it. And I've always wanted to be a part of it. I've always wanted to see those things happen. And so when I felt fine roping, I, you know, we struggled back and forth about, you know, should I, shouldn't I? And when it came down to it, they're like, are you comfortable? And I'm like a hundred percent comfortable. I don't like, it doesn't bother me at all, especially, you know, I took out the bigger risk. I don't, I didn't ride anything except my older horse. And so I, I told them, I said, the day that I feel uncomfortable one bit, I will call and, and draw out. And I never, I never felt that feeling. Well, it's great. It worked for you that year. Um, you have quite the resume. What do you think is the secret to your success? You know, I think loving it. I love, I love that. And I, I love breakaway roping. I love roping. I love the horse industry. Um, I love hard work. And so that kind of goes hand in hand with the, the horse industry. Um, work ethic is, is, is huge um, in my household. And I think that um, anytime you're going to be in the horse industry, you have to have that. And so just pushing on doing what I love and just seeing doors open because you show passion for it and work hard for it. Now, the article also talks about how you, um, your mom instilled that hard work ethic in you, and, and she was a big part of your early years. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Um, yeah, my mom was just a really, really hard worker. Um, she busted her butt. She held down two and three jobs while raising me and trying to keep horses underneath us and give me opportunities. And um, she just was kind of like one of those no excuses outwork everyone, put the extra effort in, go the extra mile. And she just never would let me not accept that. And so once I turned a page and could see that, man, it just, just kind of stuck with me. And of course, now you're a busy mom yourself. You, you have 16-year-old Cadence, four-year-old Creed, and your new baby girl, Journey. Um, I know our Western Life article mentions some of the creative ways you've balanced motherhood and riding and competing. But how do you and also Charlie balance it all with your facility, three kids, training for some top names in the industry and competing? <laughs> we don't. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a constant circus. There is not really a balance. You just kind of keep them moving forward and and hope everything falls where it should. I got to tell you, I'm a, I love that you said so that. We have interviewed so many professional riders that come up with a long answer for the balance thing that makes them sound superhuman. So hearing you say that just makes my day. Uh. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> there is none. I mean, it, it really is. It, you just feel like you're in a, a, a tornado at all times. 
Sarah, you feel that way right now, too. So. <laughs> yeah, I can relate. I, got, I have a lot going on right now with family yeah. and kids and my kid. And so um, now, of course, you've got your extra special horse, um, T-Boy, who helped you win your yeah. first national finals breakaway roping championship. And more recently, your 20th world title on in 2020. Can you tell us a little bit about him and what makes him so great? That horse has just always been a winner. There's honestly, you know, it's kind of like Larry says, he's kind of one of the most underrated horses there is in the breakaway because he doesn't show fancy, doesn't like do anything necessarily spectacular, except he just gives you opportunities to win over and over and over again and kind of just takes care of everybody that swings the leg over him. And you've had him a really long time, right? Yeah, this has been the 11th year competing on him. Wow. Um, so I have a kind of a, a different kind of question. If you hadn't chosen the disciplines you have and could do something totally different, is there one that you've always wanted to try that would be a completely Cow different horse. change for you? Cow horse. Cow horse? All day. Oh, man. I would love to do the, like, the working cow horse stuff. Just, yeah, that's my... I love it. It intrigues the heck out of me. I wanted to ask this. I know that reining has become popular in other countries. Are the roping events becoming popular too? Like in Germany and Italy and all over? Um, yeah, there, it, you know, it has been, and I think it just continues to grow. We get messages from <clears throat> girls overseas and in different countries and stuff. And um, they're really seeing everything explode and they're getting into it. You know, I think, it just, you know, different setups in different countries make it a little difficult, but, um, yeah, it's, it's blowing up everywhere. Well, why do you think that is? I, I honestly think because of the opportunities here, I think that it's being seen more and, um, you know, more opportunities. And, and I think those girls are seeing that and seeing it on television and seeing all this stuff happening and, you know, they're wanting to put it into where they are. I mean, barrel so, racing is fun, but boy, this, I mean, but you're still doing this kind of the same thing every, every show, right? Um, right. Here right. it's different every show, really. I mean, you're doing, you're kind of doing yeah. the same thing, but every show is different because there's so many variables to this as opposed to yeah. the barrels don't run away. Yeah, absolutely. You, you kind of, I mean, I get that there's different patterns, you know, there's standard pattern and you're going to get smaller patterns. So your times are going to be different, but um, you know, for us, the variables that are going to change are the box length and the barrier length and things like that. But you can never control what a calf does. Nope. You know, you just can't. You can, <laughs> you can try to predict it. You can try to write what he does down previous, but you can never truly predict what they're going to do. So there's just so many things that can that can go crazy. Do you have any particular um, like uh, specific runs that you remember that like stand out in your mind for any reason? Or at this point, do they all kind of run together since you've done so many? <laughs> No, I mean, there's definitely been, um, one of my favorite runs would always have to be Chicago. Um, when the WCRA first added breakaway, it was the first time that they gave $50,000 to a breakaway roper and put us in as a full event, full money. Um, and I ended up coming down to the final two and won that round. And that was just a, that was just a really special run. That was really cool. Cause it just, it meant a lot for us to be an equal event. So what's next on the horizon for you? Well, we are at the tour finale in Salinas, California right now. I'm actually in a truckload of breakaway ropers, some of the best in the world. And we are all headed to the airport to catch a plane to go to Amarillo, Texas, 
to rope at the pro rodeo there and then turn right around and come back to Salinas, California. <laughs> it never Again, stops. <laughs> and I get to see Charlie and my daughter and Creed are all coming to Amarillo and then Creed's flying back with me and Journey and all the girls to Salinas. So yeah, again, in the tornado, here we go. <laughs> Do they enjoy all that traveling? You know, they honestly, this has been so fun. This is the first time like we've actually left home and stayed gone um, for as long as we have, but it's, it's been really fun. We purchased a bus, like a motorhome before we left. And it's been the coolest thing to be able to, I've spent more time with my kids this summer than I've ever gotten to spend at home because at home you're working constantly, you know, and you're always stuff to do. And here there's like you're driving, but we get to hang out in the bus. And so we've got to spend more time. We've gone to more carnivals. And I mean, like we know half of the carnival people by name because Creed thinks when you pull up to the rodeo, it's a carnival. And he just has so much fun. Every water park, every adventure. So it's a, uh, we've had a good time. Well, Glenn, it seems like everybody I know is getting motorhomes and whatnot. And I have this dream of um, getting a, a motorhome one day and, and traveling while I'm retired. So um, I'm jealous. <laughs> it's You'll a very big it. thing in it's the horse so industry. <laughs> so, um, so your fun. your website is JackieCrawfordRoping.com. And, of course, uh, if anybody wants to read the story about Jackie that Horse Illustrated did in Western Life magazine, uh, they can check out horseillustrated.com slash western hyphen life. And I will put that in the show notes along with a link to Jackie's website. But we wish you luck in your upcoming event and safe travels and all that. And thank you for joining us. Okay. Thanks a bunch, you guys. This episode is brought to you by our title sponsor, Straight Arrow Products. With Cowboy Magic's Green Spot Remover, you can do more of what you love and spend less time in the wash stall. Cut bath time in half with this waterless shampoo for quick grooming solution while saving water at your barn. The easy-to-use sprayer bottle is the perfect tool when looking for a quick clean before the show or before a leisurely ride. Green Spot Remover is a plant-based, waterless formula that is safe to use on all coats, not just for grays. The natural enzymes will remove manure and urine spots without drying out the skin and coat. The best part, it only takes a few steps to use. Learn more about how to use it and where to purchase it at CowboyMagic.com. Green Spot Remover. And now we have a special offer for our podcast listeners. We have special rates posted on our website for Horse Illustrated magazine subscriptions in any format. You've got print, digital, and combo subscriptions. Plus, if you'd like to get our sister publication for a special kid in your life, we have a lot of people buy those for like nieces and nephews, grandchildren, um, their own kids, or just family friends. They make great gifts. Uh, we also offer special rates on Young Rider magazine, which is the horse magazine for tweens and teens ages 8 to 15. So check out our website at horseillustrated.com slash HRN for all those special rates and hope to see some more readers. Our next guest is Dwayne Hildreth, an owner of two performance quarter horses, Chance and Jagger, who has been competing in rain cow horse and stock horse competitions for just over a year. And he's also on the board of directors for Brook USA. 
Brook USA's mission is to significantly improve the welfare of 100 million working horses, donkeys, and mules who are helping to support 600 million of the poorest people throughout Asia, Africa, the Middle East, the Americas, and the Caribbean. And one great thing about interview with Dwayne and talking about Brook USA, we did an article about them in the July 2021 issue. So if people want to go back and check it out, we'll put it online and I'll have uh, links in the show notes. Hi, Dwayne. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Sarah. How are you? Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I really wish we'd gotten to meet in person like you did get to meet Glenn at AHP, but, you know, hopefully next year. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm going to be there next year, so um, I'm sure I'll get a chance to meet you. So before we um, talk about what all Brook USA does, can you clarify for our audience what Brook, the differences between Brook and Brook USA? Yes. Well, uh, the Brook is, as we call it, or Brook UK is what it's referred to, is Europe-based and was originally founded by Dorothy Brook, uh, but it wasn't called that at the time. Dorothy Brook is the founder of the... uh, the Old War Horse Memorial Hospital in 1935, 34, excuse me, in Cairo. And she'd gone over there originally with her husband, um, who was in the military when he was fighting in, the, in World War One. Once she saw the deplorable conditions that the horses were placed in after the war was over, she took it upon herself to, to start a mission to try to, to save those horses. So that was the original Brook organization, as it were, and it, it, it's it's referred to as the Brook or Brook UK. Okay. Uh, years years later, more than 30, 40 years later, um, Brook USA was founded, along with other branches of, of Brook across the world, to give more of a more of a global presence to the foundation and what we were trying uh, trying to accomplish, uh, all in the efforts to uh, provide, you know, awareness and, and support for those animals. So we are a sister organization to Brook. We uh, fund them. We fund their projects um, along with other projects that we fund, but primarily we are a sister uh, branch of the Brook. You know, that's interesting because that's kind of how the Red Cross is set up, too, across the world. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's almost exactly yeah, like ma- that. Yeah, it makes sense when you grow that big, and I'm sure she yeah. never imagined when she first started it that it would get that huge and you know that pervasive throughout all different parts of the world so what all does brook usa do to help the working horses of the world well i you know i can we, we can dive into the weeds or i can just kind of give you an overall mission but the mission of brook primarily is to significantly improve the health uh, welfare and produ- productivity of working horses donkeys and mules, and the people who depend on them for survival worldwide so we're, we're committed to sustainable economic development um, by reducing poverty, increasing food security, ensuring access to water, providing means to education. So in the, in the effort to raise basic standards of living through to improve the equine health. That is our primarily uh, goal and focus with the horses. And, and, and we're unique in the fact that not only is our focus on, on the horses themselves and working equines when I, when I say when I refer to donkeys, horses, and mules, but also the people that, that own them, the people that you know they work for, so that it's a more holistic approach to uh, enhancing the lives of both both the, the human and the, and the animal. You know, I think it's such a great mission, and, and a lot of it's something maybe people here in the United States might not think about. You know, you're here riding your horse and thinking about how 
like uh, I was reading about one of the latest missions is to help the worldwide donkeys and the people are using these donkeys to do basic things like carry water and firewood and to help in agriculture and to they're used in commercial activities maybe for you know traveling or pulling a cart and from the website I read that last year alone 159,631 donkeys in Kenya were slaughtered for their skins and an estimated 60 donkeys a week are being stolen from Kenyan owners who depend on them for daily life to make a living. And then at this rate, donkeys will vanish from the African continent by 2023. And that's a year and a half, two years away, and that just blows my mind. And these people are so dependent on their animals. Can you tell us why this is happening and how Brook USA is helping the with the donkey hide crisis? Yeah, so the, the hides of the donkeys are being used um, to pr- provide a, a gelatin mix from the, from, from the donkeys. And it's estimated that about 4.8 million of these donkeys' hides are used every, every day for this, every year for this. And so for what our mission is to petition Amazon, and actually the president of Amazon, the CEO, Andy Jassy, to take the product from the shelves of Amazon. Um, and what these these the supplements that are used and the gelatin that is used here are provided for uh, beauty products and also to help supposedly increase men's libido and those types of things. And we just think it's a horrible, rhetorical situation. So that's our main objective is to try to, to stop that from happening. So far we've, we've made some, some really uh, marketable market um, headway in, the, in trying to get this stopped. So that's, our, that's one of our main missions right now. And the and product that, how, is called Ejao. Oh, that's what and I was going to ask. Ejao? Yeah, spelled E-J-I-A-O. Yes. Ejao. So, peop- that's the name so of the people product. need to check their products, too. Like, what are, what you're buying and what ingredients are. Would that be helpful for Absolutely. these donkeys? And, uh, yes. And to find out more about it, because there's lots of information and lots of, lots of efforts that we're putting behind this. But to find out more about it, uh, the listeners or the, the, the people can go to brookusa.org slash Amazon where they can find out, you know, more statistics related to what we were talking about. And then also send in their own personal request to have the, the products pulled from the, sh- from the shelves. Oh, that's great. I'm sure some of our listeners would love to get involved. Um, I also was r- reading about, you know, everybody has been dealing with COVID-19 and dealing with a pandemic, but um, there's many impacts that, I don't know. I just haven't thought of because, you know, I'm in my own insular world trying to deal with COVID and uh, we've got women that are still using donkeys to walk miles to fetch water, farmers that are using mules um, to take to crowded hot markets to sell goods. You've got children that use them for chores or maybe they're traveling to and from somewhere. And Often in these communities, there's limited access to health care. There's lack of public information about the pandemic, um, living arrangements, and there's no like self-quarantine or social distancing. Um, and obviously distance learning, that's hard, been hard enough in the U.S. to coordinate and whatnot. So, you know, it's hard in a lot of these communities. How has Brook USA, I know they've been involved in helping to relieve some of the strain from COVID-19 throughout the world. Yeah, so we have various relief funds that we approach and address that that you just discussed. And primarily right now, our, our 
hands, I would say, have been a little bit tied somewhat, as you mentioned, you know, here in the United States. But the funding for education and the funding for supplies and medical equipment still exists. And so we have all our campaigns, you know, again, within the website. We, uh, and I'll give that information when we finish talking um, about how to contribute to those, those particular causes, whether it be the women's and the donkey's crusade, the women who are utilizing donkeys, or the various other um, outlets by which you can contribute financially to help with education. Because it's primarily what we're finding out is that we can teach the, the users and the owners of these animals to be aware of what's going on, then there's more of a sustainable process in keeping that animal alive and well. Um, in normal times, quote-unquote normal times, when we're able to travel to these countries uh, globally and actually have some hand-on, hands-on involvement, um, it's, it's a more, more ideal situation. But currently right now, we've had to work through um, our constituents and our partners in those countries to make sure that those products and services are getting delivered to them, the people that need them. Well, it sounds like Book USA is so involved with so many different pro- projects. I was reading about like different ones, and the, there were just so many all around, all around different countries. And but on a lighter note, you yourself have an interesting horse journey, and of course, we always talk with guests about their horse experience and their horse journeys. Um, you just right. started riding not that long ago, and now you are. Competing. Do you want to talk about a little bit about your horses and what you're doing now with them? Yeah, absolutely. And I can kind of kind of tell it to you holistically and how, how that ended up ultimately getting me involved with book as well. It's kind of a, a unique story. But um, I've always loved horses since I was a kid. As far back as I can remember, I was a kid that ran to the circus and wanted to get on the pony or wanted my parents to stop on the side of the road so I could see horses grazing that field. And, you know, my grandparents noticed that in a purchased a little Shetland pony for me when I was in grade school and I got to ride it periodically. We didn't live that close to my grandparents. So it wasn't as regular as I would have liked. And then obviously I outgrew that pony. And then every once in a while where I would have the opportunity, if a friend invited me to ride, I'd go out and do trail rides and things like that, but never really had um, access um, to horses on a regular basis. But that, that the concept of owning a horse or being around horses stuck with me since childhood. Um, when I was living in Houston, um, working there, I met uh, a guy and his family and he, he, he was at the time a reigning horse trainer. And we just met through a, a mutual friend. I found out what he did and he invited me out to where he was training. And I started going out there, really enjoying being around the horses, being around the barn, learning, not particularly riding, but just watching and observing where well, that friendship developed into it developed until he's still one of my best friends today. And he uh, would often come up to Dallas and go to sales, horse sales. And I would go with him periodically. And one, one time we went and I didn't go there expecting to purchase a horse, but long story short, I walked away from that sale with a horse. And it was my intent that, that the horse would be something that would be trained and then I could eventually ride it. But what ended up happening was it became a futurity prospect, which he trained and showed, in the futurity and the, and, um, the Hackmore classes. And then the most recently made the finals in the world show uh, earlier this year in February, uh, in the limited open Hackmore. So with all that happening, that, that span took about two or three years, but I was 
then at that time beginning to want to ride myself. I'd been to enough shows, and he transitioned from reining to reining cow horse, which I really, you know, gravitated to. So long story short, I ended up purchasing a horse for myself that I could ride. And that's how I ended up with the two. And so since that time, I now have both horses with me here in Denton, Texas. And I've been competing just about over a year. When I say on a regular basis, because there was times when I would go to a show, but because I didn't know how to, and I did not have the wherewithal or the uh, resources to haul to a show, I, I could only go to the shows that he was going to. But now I've since purchased my own trailer and uh, this journey is really, is really taking off for me. So I'm excited about the future in, in the sport of cow horse. It's, it's what I want to do. And um, I have goals next year to really compete at a, at a higher level. So I'm using the balance of this year to train on those horses uh, specific to, to reigning cow horse. If people want to find out more about Brook USA, what was that website again? The website is www.brookusa.org. And with, within the website, um, it's very self-explanatory. And you can go and find out uh, more information about the projects and the causes that we're supporting, as well as how to donate online. So we welcome any and all to come help us in our, in our, in our cause to be more supportive of our, of our work in equine partners. And we will put a link to that website in our show notes, along with a link to the article that we ran about Brook USA and the Brook in our July issue. And thank you so much for coming on and talking with us. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about horses and talk about Brook USA Foundation. Thank you so much. And this episode is also sponsored by Farnham, devoted to your equine family for 75 years and running. Farnham makes everything you need to keep your horse looking and feeling his best from head to hoof, inside and out, everything from fly control, supplements and dewormers to grooming supplies and leather care. Farnham is showing you their appreciation with a very special 75th anniversary giveaway. Visit farnham.com slash 75 hyphen giveaway for a chance to win a custom special edition Farnham 75th anniversary John Deere Gator. This gator is gorgeous, and it is filled with $1,000 worth of Farnham horse care products. Somebody is going to win all of that, so it might as well be you. Farnham, your partner in horse care. I want to win that. <laughs> I do, too. Well, I don't even have a horse, and I want to win it. I want to win a gator with full I of stuff. I want to win it so then I can get a horse. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I want to win it. Well, next up, our final guest of the day is an old friend of the show. Uh, you probably have heard him on the show if you're a longtime listener, and that's Daniel Stewart. Of course, he is the equestrian sports psychology guy. Combining his knowledge as an equestrian with a degree in physical education, he created an empowering and inspiring clinic series that helps riders develop equally strong minds and bodies. And he's an internationally acclaimed author of many different books, Pressure Proof Your Riding, Ride Right, Fit and Focused in 52, and most recently, Bolder, Braver, and Brighter. And they're all through Trafalgar Square, who got to spend some time with at the conference. And he's widely considered one of the world's leading experts on equestrian sports psychology, athletics, and performance. And he's just a fun, interesting guy. Well, hi, Daniel. Welcome back. Hey, Glenn. It's good talking to you again. We're 
we're old friends, not because we've known each other that long, but because we're both getting pretty old. Yes, that's, that's true. It's good, it's <laughs> I looked. Your voice. Thanks for you were one of our first guests on this show, like an episode maybe number 10 back in 2010. And I took a look at Horse Radio Network. You have been on uh, a number of our shows, probably one of our most prolific guests. So that tells me you have nothing else to do but hang out with us. <laughs> My whole life is just sitting by the phone waiting for you to call. I know. Thank goodness you called. I was feeling bad about myself. I, to, I just every time I don't hear from you, I write another book. I just they take it's a long true. time, but but you got to call me more often. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at the notes. I get Trafalgar Square's books. I probably have your book here. I get all the books from them, and and I saw another one come: "Bolder, Braver, Brighter" by Daniel Stewart. And I said, "Well, he had nothing to do during COVID times. He wrote another book. This is like his 18th book now." <laughs> Um, so how does this differ from your other ones? How does it, how is it different? You know, it, it's interesting. If you, if you hold them all up together, they're all going to have a pretty picture on the front. They'll all have a, 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 a picture of a rider on the front, but, but this book is quite a bit different. The, um, uh, my earlier books talk a lot about general sports psychology. We talk about visualization and talk a, a you know, a great deal about goal setting and, and, and that sort of thing. But this book is, is it, it? I think it goes a little bit deeper. Um, it's a bit like an onion. You peel this book away, and every time you peel a layer away, there's another layer, and some of those layers make you cry a little bit <laughs> because this book will jump a little bit deeper into into things like a fear of failure, a fear of harm, a fear of imperfections, and that sort of thing. Um, I think what makes this book so different is that that it speaks more um, to to. Uh, um, having pride in yourself, not comparing yourselves to others, worrying about letting people down. Um, uh, this book is a real interesting look at sports psychology. Um, but, uh, but again, I shine the light on the individual in this book um, and, and how we can create the best version of ourselves. Like I said before, no longer comparing ourselves like to others or worrying about what judges are thinking or uh, being nervous about what spectators are saying and things like that so it's a uh, it's a beautiful book well, and i just got to give props to trafalgar it's such a pretty book well you know <laughs> it, I, it, is. It, it really is it doesn't sound like that's a book for writers it sounds like it's a book for life so i wonder if it's you know i wonder if i'm uh, if i'm like an equestrian in disguise i wonder if i'm not one of those mental you know uh, what are they motivational speakers <laughs> how come you haven't asked me to do a ted talk yet this mm-hmm. book is just on how to become a a, a a brighter, braver, bolder version of, of yourself. And, um, Hey, if I could, you know what I'd love to do? I haven't done this yeah. yet, but there's a, there's a paragraph in this book that I think defines the entire book. Could I read that paragraph? Sure. I yeah. bet it takes 45 seconds. Yeah. Okay. So, so <laughs> I, I did this right. I think this is probably the smartest thing I've ever said. And I say some smart <laughs> stuff, but I think this paragraph <laughs> might be like literally. I read this and I'm like, dang it. Well, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Stop. Let us determine that. So you go ahead and read <laughs> oh, it, and okay. then we'll tell you if it's the smartest right. thing you've ever said. Okay, so so uh, uh, this chapter said it. Um, this chapter is about wondering, wishing, and worrying about other people. It's about worrying what they think of you and how they, you think you compare to them. It's about trying to live up to the expectation of some people while worrying about letting others down. It's about comparing yourself to others and feeling bad because they've achieved more or failed less than you. It's about thinking of the judge when you should be thinking about your first jump and worrying about the crowd when you should be thinking about your last one. It's about spending all your time trying to be like one person while trying not to be beaten by another. It's about feeling certain you'll do poorly because everyone else is doing so well. 
and feeling uncertain you'll do well because everyone thinks so poorly of you. It's about worrying that your performance won't make your trainer happy or nervous. It'll make your teammate sad. It's about feeling as if you're a failure just because you failed and about wishing you looked more like someone else and less like yourself. So that's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, oh it is. And it applies again. We don't, that applies Everybody. to yeah. life. You know, it doesn't matter whether you're a horse person or not. We all, it's human nature to feel all of those things. Mm-hmm. It really is. My daughter, she's 15. She's a sophomore in high school. And, and this is what she feels. She comes home and she, you know, she live, we live this Instagram filtered life of ours where we want to be taller and people with straight hair want to have curly hair and we all want whiter teeth. And we've got ourselves into a little bit of trouble because we're no longer living our lives to create the best version of ourselves, but we're trying to live a life that perhaps looks like the best version of somebody else. And, and, and the next, further on in the chapter, this is the chapter on shame. Because because when you do compare yourself to others or feeling like you've let people down, then there is only one result. I mean, that just there's no way around it. It just equals shame. And shame is the darkest emotion of all because that's the shame where you stop loving yourself. So this book is about it's about that. But but like you said, this isn't a book for just, just for riders. Lend it to your to your husband who plays golf or your son who plays basketball or your daughter who's a sophomore in high school who is not the tallest or smartest. Yeah. Well, pretty important. It's interesting that you say that too. We're going to go deeper here because it's interesting that you say that and you brought up Instagram and, you know, of course, Facebook and even YouTube for that matter. Um, Since we talked, you were the first time. 10 years ago, the world has changed. And it's changed because of social media. Social media was a thing back then, but not like it is now. And not like it is with the filtered view of people's lives. You know, it's, it, it's such a filtered view now that everybody has crap, right? Everybody goes through stuff, but nobody puts that on Facebook or Instagram. We always put the pity pi- pretty pictures. We don't put the, the ones where we're crying our eyeballs out on the couch about something. So how... And if we did, we throw that we throw the filter on it. So we look like a pretty awesome, amazing specimen of a well, human, even after they'd cried. So we're how have you had to change well. your, your clinics and everything you do because of this new, new... This paragraph you just wrote? You know what? I'm not so sure if I didn't change everything. Um, so much of my work is is um, it sort of goes in two directions. With adults, um, uh, oftentimes mental coaching is is corrective medicine. You know, we we take our inappropriate behaviors, a fear of failure, compare ourselves to others, overthinking, overanalyzing, analysis paralysis, um, judging ourselves based on the best version of ourselves 20 years ago. Adults, we get ourselves into a lot of trouble. Um, so for adults. You know, my program, these programs are corrective medicines. Let's take our inappropriate behaviors and change them with more more positive, empowering, brighter, bolder, braver um, uh, behaviors. But with with young riders, it's about preventative medicine. You, you know, if we can if, if we can teach young riders to to find pride in themselves, to believe that they are not a failure just because they failed to define themselves by their effort rather than outcomes, you know, outcomes, the, the shiny, shiny medals or the color of a ribbon or the step on a podium. Those are, those are so dangerous because when we don't get that ribbon, then we define ourselves as less than or, or as a failure. So with adults, this program can be corrective medicine. Let's fix what we've, what we've broken. But with the youngsters, it can be preventative medicine, meaning 
meaning over the last 20 years, the last 15 years since Instagram has been filtering us, um, I believe that my whole program has shifted towards the individual and having pride in yourself and, and not not falling into that trap because it's a big trap, right? I mean, I mean, it's just right in front of us. You just got to pick up your phone and, and open TikTok and, and there's a brilliant example of, of, you know, what maybe somebody else defines as, as beautiful or successful or fit or talented. And, and every time we do that, we get ourselves in a little bit of trouble because we might not look like that person or cook like that person or whatever it is. So, so I hope this book, um, you know, it's funny, the back cover of the book is just as fun as the front cover. The back cover of the quote is, um, the secret to having it all is knowing you already do. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, I, I listen to those words and I just think that that's, that's just, that's, that's something everybody needs to remember. Um, especially in this world where, where perhaps we don't always feel, you know, like, um, you know, like we're, we're rising to the top. We feel like we're treading water, not going anywhere. So, um, yeah, yeah, my books, this book is, it's just really, really finely, um, we've, I've taken that, that, that telescope and turned it into a microscope and, and I put this self underneath it so we can all talk or, or have that discussion about how we can create something amazing in ourselves, knowing that it's already in there. We just need to bring it out. So with this book, um, you know, we ran an excerpt in Horse Illustrated, but it seems like it would be great for kids as well and for, like, the young rider audience. What what would you say the, like, target audience, age range type, you know, what's the span that this book can cover so that people know, hey, you know, I may be 18, 17, whatever, and I can still read this book and, and gather a lot of great life advice from it. I would say if you're alive, right, uh, Daniel? It's that's the age group. If you're alive, you know what? I'm going to, I'm just going to go back and give props to Trafalgar again, because they said, they said, coach, when you write this book, you, you need to, you need to be mindful. This subject is, it's, it's a valuable subject um, that, that it, that it, it should be written for everybody. You know, a Western rider should be able to pick this up. A, a, a hunter should pick it up. An event rider should pick it up. Uh, a mom who doesn't know anything about riding should pick it up. And that little kid lying on the ground looking up at her pony should pick it up. Um, you, you know, and, and to this, and, and I imagine that I've always sort of been like this. There are dark subjects in the book. We're going to talk about a fear of failure. We're going to talk about shame, about um, uh, about a fear of harm. You know, so many of us uh, live our lives with one foot on the brake because we fell off last week. I'm going to break fear down, help you understand what's causing it, and then more importantly, help you to understand truly how to move beyond that fear. But but let's be honest, the fear of harm is a pretty dark subject. So I'll make sure I throw out like a, a Fergus cartoon or a joke on that page. Now, it looks like the Fergus cartoon is there because I'm targeting a young audience, but no, I'm talking about a dark subject. So I'm going to put a, a, a bright, light, humorous, comic to to lighten the mood a little tiny bit so um the book is written for all disciplines for all ages um and for even non-writers just uh, if you know anybody who's struggling at public speaking or who lost a job or who who has a, 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 a sick loved one give them the book let them look at the pretty bright photographs and then let them just open up a page and dare them to get beyond the picture of the horse 
and to dive into the book a little bit because the words are the most important, even though the pictures are the prettiest. But there's there's not one word in this book that can't help one person, regardless of age, discipline, sport, um, or non-sport. So, yeah, it's I a think pretty cool book. Getting past fear is one of the best things people can do for themselves. Like I was um, telling Glenn at one point, one of my biggest fears used to be public speaking. And I made myself like, I'm like, I'm going to get past this. And I joined Toastmasters. And that was a fabulous experience. Got past, you know, here I am doing a podcast now. I've done several speeches in front of groups. You know, you still get the the general nerves that help you hopefully do well and have a good speech or a good podcast and whatnot. But, you know, people learning to get past their fears and their biggest, um, like, obstacles in life is, it's like, I think people should take it as a challenge. Well, and, it's everything to us, isn't it? Because yeah. because the fear holds us back. It blinds us. It 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 it's an anchor that that just pulls us down. And if fear does the same thing to everybody, it 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 just inhibits. Well, us. haven't we and, proved that in the last and, year when everybody in the world had fear? Absolutely. And and mm-hmm. wait a second, I don't even want to. But it's true. I mean, it's probably the first time in history, well, since World War II, that the whole world has had a a a very common fear, a collective fear. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. and 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 we all, you know, we all uh, um, uh, we all adapted and reacted differently to it. you know, and it's interesting speaking to your the other comment. The book will discuss two kinds of fears: rational and irrational. And as as horrible as this sounds, you know, the fear of public speaking is an irrational fear. See, the point mm-hmm. of a fear is to keep you alive. Um, this is interesting. When I was young, my dad took me mountain climbing. I fell. Like I did a fall, like you see in the movies. I did a really bad fall, a little bit more, and I mm. wouldn't be talking to you right right now. Now it probably doesn't come as a surprise. I have a wicked big fear of heights. Forty years later, I'm still a fear. Have a fear of heights. Now, I have a fear of heights because my brain has equated a height with 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 my survival instinct. My brain is keeping me safe by keeping me away from cliffs. It makes perfect sense because fear of falling is a rational fear because I almost died. The problem is the fear of public speaking is an irrational, that's what they call it, even though it feels rational. It's an irrational fear because it is not associated with your survival instinct. Exactly. It might be associated with your ego. It might be associated with, you know, um, letting people down or, or, or comparing yourself to others. So the book jumps into, you know, um, rational and irrational fears. But I think the smartest part about this book is, is I'll dissect fears and, and let, let you know why they happen, like my fear of falling. I shouldn't feel bad that I have a fear of heights. I should just understand it. And if I can understand it, come to grips with it, if I can own it, then I can start to overcome it. So, um, yeah, yeah, there's lots of different fears. And we'll discuss rational and irrational fears, the fear of being judged, the fear of losing, the fear of letting somebody down. Those are all irrational fears. But in our sport, we also have to shine a light on rational fears like the fear of falling, the fear of being run away, the fear of spooks, all of those. Those are important. We can't just we can't just pretend that we should be okay with them or get over them or deal with them. You, you can't deal with the fear of harm. You've got to overcome it. You've got to own it. 
And, uh, and again, the book does a, what I believe to be a real good job in describing it, um, uh, uh, how your brain interprets fears um, and how we can change that interpretation. So pretty cool. Yeah. Hey, we're, we're running out of time, Daniel. Where can people get it? You know what? Um, they can. They, this is interesting. They can order one directly from me at um, pressureproofacademy.com. Um, now, if they order it from me, uh, it'll come autographed. I think that's nice. My son's got a stack of autographed books, hockey and tennis books. It's all fun. So if anybody would like to order one from me, pressureproofacademy.com. And, uh, and, and I'm, it's going to take a little while. <laughs> um, and, and if they want, if they're in a rush for it, they should go straight to Trafalgar Square Books. Uh, just uh, an amazing publisher, uh, wonderful people. Um, people in this industry who um, who just want to share information with those people who are looking for it. So I, again, I can't say enough about Trafalgar Square. They, this is, and I dare you to find a prettier book. I dare you to find a book. See, I asked them, I said, can you make this big and bold and colorful? Can it, can it pop off the page? Can I have cartoons? Can I have jokes? Can I have fill in the blanks? And they said yes to all of it except for fill in the blanks. And then I said, you know, I've been talking to a lot of my riders. They really like that fill-in-the-blank part. And then Trafalgar goes, all right, we'll put in fill-in-the-blank parts if that's what the readers want. So uh, good on you, Trafalgar Square. They can order the book directly from me. Um, and if they want it a, a faster, um, they can just go directly to Trafalgar Square Books and, and you, order it from them. If you can't spell that, it's horseandriderbooks.com is, uh, is their website as well. Daniel, thank you so much. We'll have you back in another 10 years, okay? Yeah, you're gonna have to. Wow, you'll have ten bun done by that time. No, seriously. Give me a call in a couple months. All right, I love talking. I love being part of this forum, and uh, it's good information. Thanks for letting me. uh, Thanks for giving me a voice tonight. I sure appreciate it. Today, we'd like to thank our sponsors. First, our title sponsor, the Straight Arrow family of brands, makers of mane and tail, cowboy magic, and exhibitors, with over a hundred years of grooming excellence. For more information about your favorite products, please visit straightarrowinc.com and find all the products at a tax shop near you. And also our newest premier sponsor, Farnham, your partner in horse care. Horse Illustrated can be found online at horseillustrated.com. And you can find the links to today's guests and show notes at horsesinthemorning.com or horseillustrated.com slash podcast. We'll also put links to all the articles about the guests that were in Horse Illustrated. So if you want to learn more about them, we'll have those in the show notes as well. You can just scroll right on your phone and click the link and go right there and read the article. You can follow Horses in the Morning on Facebook. Just search for Horses in the Morning and have all of the Horse Radio Network shows with you wherever you go with our free app, iPhone or Android. Just search Horses or just search Horse Radio Network. Happy reading and riding.